Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this monthly conversation with Sean McDonough and Jeff Roski, we talk about Microsoft Loop, the new co-pilot features across every Microsoft workload, and other news from around the community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. My co-conspirators for today, oh, am I supposed to do the uh, WWF uh, uh, announcer voice introductions? John McDonough, <laughs> a consultant with Bitstream Foundry in Cincinnati, Ohio, and an M365 apps and services MVP, and oh. Mr. Jeff Verosky. Off the a top C- turnbuckle. <laughs> yeah a senior architect for Insight, co-founder of the Boston Office 365 user group, and the co-founder of the new Janky Workshop on YouTube. And he's wearing the t-shirts today. Yeah, nice. sporting, the, sporting the duds. It's looking well, good. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. It's, yeah, thank you. It's a very overpowering logo, the big saw blade. Yeah, it makes a statement for sure. Thank you. Thank you. It's like, take the neck off right here. Yep, that's <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Well, we're talking today, I mean, the the major announcements that have come out, I mean, there's a lot that's going to be happening this month and next month. Um, we've got, you know, here we are in April, we've got the MVP Summit in person that's happening, and there's going to be a bunch of information that we're going to get leading to major announcements that are happening in May at the M365 conference in Las Vegas. So the next couple episodes, we're going to have a lot to cover and talk about. Uh, so good, good times. But today, not that these are minor announcements, but we have the formal, the Loop app is finally here after a couple of years of teasing us with Loop components and talking about the app. And then you also have massive announcements around Copilot across pretty much every surface within Microsoft. There's a Copilot something. And it's pretty exciting. Some people are nervous. Other people are excited. How about you guys? Are you nervous or excited or both? Like a teenage girl, you're nervous and excited. Uh, definitely the, uh, <laughs> like a teenage girl. <laughs> Absolutely the wrong takeaway, Jeff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just watching with anticipation. I, I, You know, a lot of people, not so much with Loop, um, because I know Loop is still... It's still in uh, preview or select release or right. whatever it is. Yep. But um, I know a couple people have been putting some stuff together for Copilot. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see where that goes. Well, it's, I, wasn't it, was it Bill Gates that made some statement and, and really roughly paraphrasing, but basically said it's like it was, it's the biggest thing since the announcement of the PC. You know, just... Had to go and pull that out. (laughs) Well, it was that and then sliced bread before it or something. I don't know. Right, uh, yeah. But it's, I I mean, which is, again, a lot of people that are seeing it, and and, and most of us have not yet, and it's. I think it's all in private preview for most of that. Um, 
but people that have been, you know, that see it and play it. I mean, there's going to be co-pilot for loop combining both worlds here for this topic. Um, but there's, you know, co-pilot for, you know, Microsoft 365 for OneNote, for PowerPoint, for uh, everything that's out there. But the the big ones people are talking about are around uh, GitHub and Power Platform. Probably you hear the most um, mm. talking about that. Being able to go and use natural language, uh, you know, to build out the complexity of your workflows and other automations is pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting to see uh, what kind of workflows we're going to get out of Copilot for this right. and uh, stuff like that. I don't know, you know, I've not actually seen a demo of it yet. Um, or There's the a animated little videos. What are you talking about? You get the I've not seen them. The little I'm... social media things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the guy who lives under the porch, so <laughs> I don't always see everything. But with the loop stuff, I know that um, that was like fabric UI or whatever it was before. It's all the about keeping the fluid. Fluid, yeah. It's. I went out to Redmond for um, uh, a developer thing for that, and it was all about you know keeping things in sync and. Uh, real-time data exchange and updates. Uh, it looked really cool. I didn't build anything with it at the time, but I can easily see where um, it could be integrated. And it, it it just kind of naturally stems from what people are already doing with the office tools and co-authoring and things like that. But it goes beyond that to real-time data interchange um, more fluidly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just remember, I, I always bring this up. Uh, I still have the app on my phone, but is the uh, the Gig Jam. Um, mm -hmm. When Microsoft demoed that years back, uh, Julia White up on stage, and I believe it was at, I think it was actually the partner conference where she did that. It was that or build anyway. Um, but, um, you know, in, in the, in the demo for this, that, that, she they were they were redesigning a like uh, um, this if you remember the if anybody remembers the videos but like a motorcycle so there's a bunch of cool um vr ar capabilities and that kind of yeah, stuff. yeah that was a big but, hollow lens thing at the time but the thing about it was again it was gig jam was never a real product it was a pure microsoft r d effort but the concept was that so we're sitting here let's say the three of us in a board meeting and we're looking at very sensitive company financials and we have a question for somebody and we need input while the board is together on this one component that we could pull out of all of this secure data uh, in our CRM or in whatever our, our, our dashboard, we could select a, a portion of data that we want to share, invite somebody into a meeting in real time, give them access, see their updates and co-edit on that screen, on that shared data. And then once we get to that, okay, that's the right number. Or yeah, that's what I wanted to know, clarify. Thank you for that. Remove them from that meeting and the data then becomes instantly secured once again. So hmm. that kind of future, that ability to be very granular in what it is we want to collaborate around, keeping everything else secure. 
like that concept, um, you know, we're slowly seeing that permeate into the co-editing capabilities. And I think of loop, I mean, that's the, where my mind went instantly to is that I, that ability with loop components that you could then build a complex doc, but only share out a component where you need to have multiple people, um, you know, elsewhere in the organization to have real-time access and to Bungie own that data. Bungie out, yeah. Right, right. But, or, or even just maintain that, they own that component. And so it's, you have a document that then has all of these separate components that have different owners all over the place, but that I have that centralized view that, I know we all hate this phrasing, but the single pane of glass <laughs> of, of that doc. But it's just, a, it's a different way of looking at documents. So it was, I mean, I remember hearing a Microsoft person, I don't remember who said it, but said that um, the initial uh, uh, goal of Loop was to kind of replace OneNote. That's not fact. That's not what's happening here. But they were looking at like the next version of OneNote and you know, OneNote being, you know, it's, it's great. I live in OneNote, but a yeah. collaborative team-based collaboration app, it is not. Right. Yeah, I I know when I worked um, for Idera down in Texas, we would use OneNote and we'd be on a conference call. We'd be talking and everybody would be, you know, moving stuff in and out of a OneNote, uh, filling in different cells. Somebody had created a table things like that. And you think about how loop works. That's, that's right on loops front doorstep. It's what's designed to pretty much come up with the, the one aspect I hadn't realized though, was the, um, the swapping collaborators in and out. Um, that was one piece of it. I didn't have a handle on. So I'm really kind of curious as to what those access control lists look like and how they manage that and delineate different sections within a document, or um, we'll just call it creative work rather than document because it could be anything. Well, so if the components, yeah, this is something I'm, I'm interested in digging into, maybe writing an article on, I know some people have asked that question. I mean, we know um, of, well, where are, where are loop components created? Where are they stored? We know that they're OneDrive based, so SharePoint based. Mm -hmm. um, so is it, you know, the, is it the, the people that are given permission to each of the components? So each of the components are treated as a separate asset that are tied together in that, in the loop, now the loop app. But the idea is so that again, in the loop app, if you've not gone and looked at it, go, if you're listening in search for, uh, you know, Microsoft loop, you'll find the app you can download, you can get that. Your admin has to enable that for your, uh, environment. There's a, there's a bit of a stickler. There are some people that struggled with getting it live. You actually have to create in Azure AD, you have to create a security group. It has to be a dynamic group. And if you are like, I had my own tenant, I had to go and do the free 30 day P one license for Azure to be able to create the right security group type to be able to mm -hmm. enable that. Um, but that's the one thing a number of people got stuck on um, yeah. as well. But um, once you have that created, then, you know, turn it on, use the app. Um, but that you can have, again, like just like in OneNote, 
I can have a series of tables and things that I'm going through for my company. Um, and But I can take one table and say, hey, I need to collaborate with Sean on this one. And I might push it out via email and he might be responding and editing it in Outlook, in email, Outlook for the web. I believe it does work with the newer versions of Outlook desktop, but I think there's an add-in or something that you have to do. I don't know. I don't use it anymore. So, uh, sure. but I think, but it is, it, Loop does work with um, the newer versions. I don't know if it's 2016 or 2019. I think it's 2019, the newest. Um, but that then uh, further down the page, I could take another loop component and share that out with Jeff. And so Jeff will never see the first one. Sean will never see the second one, but I see all of them. And eventually you'll be able to share loop components in different places, in teams, in a chat, in you know email, uh, maybe open it up within Excel and share it. Um, and it's cool to see in a lot of the demos that are out there. I know Jeff Teeper had one out in uh, social media with the loop announcements where it showed the animated, you know, in one screen showing each of the different locations as edits were being made. It's happening in real time across all of those. Yeah. Really cool features for the new hybrid work that is our reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes you really think about how many different balls that system has to be juggling to keep everything. I'm uh, glad you went there with that statement. I thought it was going to be something very different. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, optimistic and, you know, go back quite a ways to the days, optimistic locking, pessimistic locking, you know, critical sections, things like that. Yeah. You know, I used to develop middleware services and uh, a lot of them were Windows services and they would run on the server. A lot of multi-threading, mutexes, semaphores, things like that. And keeping that kind of stuff in line is difficult on a good day. But I can't imagine the scale at which that has to happen with the web and everything that goes into that. It's got to be an enormous undertaking. It did make me think of software configuration management, the same thing. It's code management and constantly the branching and labeling capability. I mean, this is a world that I used to, um, you know, participate in years, years ago. Back in your rational um, days. Back in the rational when I was more rational. Yes. Um, but <laughs> it's highly irrational know, these days, folks. Folks that don't know, Rational Software was a company. IBM acquired them back in 2001, but they had... They're um, really like the Cadillac of software configuration management, Clearcase, um, powerful platform. My, I had a software company. We actually used Clearcase as the engine to build a, um, a social graph. Um, we didn't know to call it that back then. You were um, way ahead of your time, man. Oh uh, yeah, we but we couldn't articulate it and get it to a point where you know we could get that additional beyond the seed investment. But yeah. Anyway, hey, sold the company to, to Rational Software, so I'm not complaining. There you um, go. But, um, but yeah, it made me think of that. Like, I don't even know what's happening in code management from that standpoint. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of complexity under the hood. And I look at that stuff as a working now for a governance ISV again. Um, you know, yeah. it's, there's a, there's, Opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah. And you can't see the outstretched hands 
offering opportunity. Yeah. Always say when I use that word, I do the uh, like uh, you're in good hands with all state kind of opportunity hands yeah. open across America. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is I I so I mean with that, it, how exciting Loop is. Um, I, I mean the, probably the only thing more exciting than that is the co-pilot stuff, and yeah. and then you have uh, I, I you know you guys saw the news that Italy is temporarily shutting down access to Chat GPT. No, I didn't see no, that. No, I did not see that. Really? Yeah, so they're the first country to kind of take a stand and saying, we don't yet understand the impacts of this kind of AI capability. Therefore, we're going to lock it down until we have conversations around the impacts, about the ethics around AI. So let AI. it be known, folks, Italy is the first to take a stand against Skynet. <laughs> yes. And yeah. So, so we Skynet. Our machine will, overlords are coming, and they'll busy. understand who their enemy is at the beginning. There, yeah. So, uh, oh but boy, it's not surprising. I mean, you know, it's uh, everybody in their, you know, every company has released something. Any major company has released something related to AI um, in the past few months. Yeah, uh, it's exploded it's been, like crazy. Uh, I have a I have a Glowforge laser um, cutter and etching machine, and like they integrated a um, uh, AI image generation into that. I'm like, really? That was your big announcement? Uh, okay, <laughs> sure. Why? <laughs> Reuven was commenting on that. Uh, Reuven Gotts, good friend of ours in the SharePoint community, um, he was mentioning something about it, and I'm racking my brain what he was saying, but yeah, it's. It's the rise of, you know, chat GPT and open AI and all of that. It's just, it's been enormous. I mean, it's outstripping everything. So yeah, there's a, it's like, it, can we battery power anything right now? It's like just strapping batteries onto pencils, being like, hey, you know, it's it. And, and we've Alexa enabled it as well. You know, it's. <laughs> so let me let me read something here on this topic. So uh, you probably heard about this. The letter signed by Elon Musk demanding AI research pause, and it sparks some controversy. So this is, I'm reading out of The Guardian, but this is all news all over the place. This is a letter co-signed by Elon Musk and thousands of others demanding a pause in artificial intelligence research has created a firestorm. After the researchers cited in the letter condemned its use of their work, some signatories were revealed to be fake, others backed out of their support, the things around this. But what was true is that, um, so uh, uh, in early March, first week or second week in March, uh, this letter was pushed out there, and, uh, had over 1,800 signatories, including Musk, the cognitive scientist Gary Marcus, and Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. The Woz came out about, wow. against it called for a six-month pause on the development of systems more powerful than that of GPT-4. So engineers from Amazon, DeepMind, Google, Meta, and Microsoft also lent their support. What's interesting is that it, all this was started by, uh, well, it's being led by uh, uh, the advances by OpenAI, a company co-founded by Musk and now backed by Microsoft. Um, mm. I mean, it, it, and, and then this, this announcement out there. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk out there about, you know, fear of job replacement and, and so people say, Hey, we need to really understand whether, can these jobs be replaced by AI? 
should they be replaced by AI? Yeah, well, there's also, you know, IP issues and the, you know, training of these systems and what they pull from is people's work and there's no attribution, there's no credit, there's, you know, it's a real mess when it comes to disentangling what the chat GPT ML algorithms are doing and where they're pulling from and how you handle things properly. You know, as humans, you know, if if Jeff goes out and makes, um, you know, a knife, I know he made it because I, you know, saw him post about it and whatnot, but. Yeah, but you know, Sean, that those videos can be faked through AI. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys figured out my secret. I haven't actually made anything. Does Jeff even exist? No. He's a deep fake. Yeah. <laughs> a terrible one at that. I got a bumping problem. And, yeah. But yeah, there's, you know, all of that is a moral quandary that has really, this thing, if it gets, you know, it's it's obviously got traction because everybody's using ChatGPT and open AI systems for, everything from image generation to uh, abstract writing and whatnot. I remember Norm on one of our collab talk uh, podcasts, Christian was talking about it. You know, if he needs to submit uh, an abstract for something he wants to speak on, he, he might point it at his blog post and it would give him a starting point from which yep. to create an abstract. And that's great and all, but we don't, you know, we're pretty much just stripping from everything that serves as a basis for learning for these tools and algorithms without any attribution or IP um, adherence. And it's kind of, um, that that's concerning. Well, I was, oh, go I, ahead, Jeff. I was listening to um, uh, a discussion um, on a different topic the other day, but it's kind of uh, it kind of dovetails into this. Whereas, like everything we do, there's no real thing as like a new product, um, you know, unless you have unless you grew up in an isolated island somewhere where you didn't have contact with the rest of the world, you could actually come up with something that somebody else has come up with, but you don't have any sort of um, uh, you haven't had any sort of exposure to that at all so it's can only everything's a remix yeah music is like that music is like look there's a set number of notes in the you know what the human ear can identify and there's different combinations if you listen to if you watch like polyphonic um you know where they will go like this like you know 10 notes came from this came from this and they like they're bringing it back to like the stone ages when like somebody first played this beat in a cave somewhere you know yeah well there's it it is Look, it's, um, I look at going back to the norm example uh, with the abstract. And one of the, one of the problems with, like, I I think it's a fantastic way to utilize the technology today. I've done that where I've looked at content I've created, content I've written saying, summarize this, create a, you know, a short abstract based on this article. And then was it a hundred percent? No, I went in and tuned some things, but then I submitted it as an abstract. It was my content coming from something I created, uh, from whole cloth as I wasn't taking, pulling from anywhere else. Um, but 
one of the problems if is if content creators over time, if all it's doing is leveraging these AI tools and pulling from the general body of knowledge that's out there without new content, new being, you're constantly, you're creating this, I don't know what to, to how to phrase this, you're creating this non-creation cycle. Mm -hmm. It's interpolation, it's, not extrapolation. Yeah. Thank you. I would have said that if I knew what that word was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 not going to be greater than the sum of its parts. Right. And it's not going to come up with novel new concepts, but it can remix, you know, per Jeff's uh, comments, you know, you can create the Pope surfing with a dog on a surfboard um, because it can take images and mix it up and I have, put that say, in one place. If you've not seen it, I love that photo of the Pope in the Snoop Dogg white coat. Have yeah. you seen that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool looking picture. It's hilarious. Uh, he, he should go for that look. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I, there's two things that it makes me think of um, this, this idea um, is one is uh, um, uh, uh Crap, now I just forgot his name. Uh, the, the little robot um, with the humans of the future that animated the Pixar movie. Um, Wally. Wally. Yes. Thank you. Wally, the humans in Wally. I actually so, went to Tweaky first, if that tells you anything. No. Buck Rogers. Oh, Tweaky. Oh. That's right. Yeah. There's part of my childhood. Uh, yeah. So, um, but no, but, but the humans on the ship in the Wally movie that became, you know, their bones were, you know, thinner and weaker and smaller than their giant gelatinous bodies, uh, <laughs> because everything was being done for them. And the other thing I think of is, uh, as no, no, we'd be very like thin model-esque in that world, gentlemen. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, and the other movie is Idiocracy, and I get the comparisons to that because where the technology is built, but it's become we don't even know how to fix it when it breaks uh -huh. because all the stuff is being done with it. So, I mean, those are extreme, you know, theatrical versions of this future, but there's some reality to that. If we're not creating something, adding on to, building on, and if all we're doing is feeding off of and everything that we create becomes less than the parts that go into it mm -hmm. then and then we create those pieces and then when new queries get pushed out the new questions to the ai it's then pulling from our material and so it just feeds on itself it's yeah. it's we're creating a digital tapeworm <laughs> yeah everything's derivative in an echo chamber of sorts yeah mm -hmm. exactly yeah. Virtual tapeworm. <laughs> Virtual tapeworm. Hmm. Uh, Product name. Trademark that yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, AI it, behind writing viruses. Well, there's a scary thought. So I still look at that. Oh, yeah. Didn't even think of that. Yeah. You made yeah. me think of that with the tapeworm thing. <laughs> Damn it. You can't post this christian we cannot <laughs> let this out uh, all right let's stop recording delete <laughs> right. some government one. agent is coming to my door right now with a gun <laughs> but i do so think this is uh, how the last of us actually started you know if uh, if all <laughs> oh we can just genetically modify this fungus here and boom see ya
kind of already doing that. I mean, the lessons that we have not learned from genetic modification of viruses, of grains, of other other things. I mean, there's positives that came out of it, but not looking at the long-term damage of those same yeah. things. Yeah. What's that weed that was brought over the vines that are all over the southern U.S. that was brought kudzu. over from kudzu? Um, there's an example. The fact that, um, like, uh, I've talked about this before, but I went fishing up here in um, in northern Utah and out in uh, uh, Willa, was it Willard Bay, which is a freshwater bay off the side of uh, the, the Great Salt Lake. Okay. And they've got striper and a bunch of things that are in there, which is in uh, a modified fish, which is delicious, but it's fantastic. But there's also massive carp. Mm-hmm which are not indigenous to anything. There's carp in the river right near me. And then so and they, they instruct, they say, you can catch all the carp you want. Do not throw them back in, slit their throats, kill them, throw them in the weeds. They're Invasive garbage species. Yep. There's a great article in Wired about that, uh, particularly around um, uh, botany and forestry type uh, agencies that are trying to keep invasive species at bay. And they go in and kill these weeds and things that uh, overtake trees and mm-hmm. whatnot. And it is, it's literally a war of attrition. And they've got to do this year after year after year because they never really gain much headway yeah. now that the species are introduced. But if they let off, it'll take over everything. Yeah. Yeah. I have an uh, uncle and aunt that lived. Um up near portola california which if if you don't know the sierra nevadas if you Mm, you find Truckee, which goes up over from sacramento over into reno and Truckee's up at the top there and then go north even further up in the mountains and there's a portola valley anyway so they had some rental like uh uh, cabins uh and and a lake and they owned all the land around there and it was a sport fishing destination and somebody was kind enough to put some pike in there killed off everything else they had to drain down like 80 percent of the lake oh, um, wow. to kill it to shock it restock it build it back up took years and then someone did it again and wow. so they and they almost like and, and you know in the meantime they don't have anybody that's coming and renting their cabins because they can't fish on the yeah. private lake oh, wow. um and uh, so it just about destroyed them financially because somebody uh, going and planting that in there. But my point with all this and bringing that up with the invasive species is that we have repeatedly as humans done things which were against nature and mm-hmm. not looked at, we can't understand what the potential impacts are. So how yeah. do I balance my excitement over the new technology and the cool things that you can do with looking at the impacts of all these things yeah agent smith and the original matrix compared humans to a virus we yep. most closely resemble the pattern of a virus we do not you know shift into equilibrium with our environment we consume absolutely everything and what we tend to build and our need for resources tends to do the same thing so now, on the positive side, you guys saw also in the news that there was a lab that was able to, so they're able to go in and take from the DNA of of animals and create proteins to create artificial meat based off of 
the cells of animals and they were able to create a giant meatball that was a mammoth meatball based off of mammoth DNA. Oh, how did it taste? That's what I want to know. I don't know. They didn't they didn't get okay. to that point, which I think is telling. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Jurassic meatball. Yeah, that uh, that's where I was going. Yeah, so <laughs> Um, we're going to have some Jurassic Raptor people. tonight with a little side of the T-Rex fingers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. I just, uh, well, I just can't get over the, the uh, like the um, coconut encrusted carrier pigeons. Um, <laughs> just pop them in the mouth and delish. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. That's yeah. a new delicacy. Well, but the ability, well, so the other side of, okay, so besides the creation part of Copilot, the thing that actually has me more excited is to be able to go in and use natural language to, um, to, 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 to go and look at a complex spreadsheet and say, tell me what are the three most important takeaways from this spreadsheet? And it might tell you whether there's a downward trend in, in revenue in this category, or we're seeing lower numbers in this age group. Um, and so to be able to go in and, and this is going to revolutionize dashboards and, you know, information management by being able to go in and take vast amounts of data and summarize that and pull out relevant details. Effectively. Yeah. Effectively parsing our speech patterns to get at the drive of what we're going for. That is pretty impressive. Um, I'm kind of, you know, just because it's the scientists in me, because I started out as a polymer chemist before I ever got to computers. But always bringing that up. Always. Oh, yeah. That I over know. Us. Hair care yeah. products, no less. <laughs> Current hairstyle, not reflective of that choice, but. Well, it's reflective, but not of that choice. <laughs> the screen. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have uh, seen the, um, the mock commercial for um apple siri that had the dude from scotland apple scotland having a wee bit of trouble yes Uh, yes i'll send you the link later but you know these you know these we're training these systems with i assume native english speakers um and you know how's it going to react to uh folks of uh you know this is a little divergent from what we're talking about but how do you adapt these systems to work with different dialects and um uh what's the word i'm looking for here how do you put like, the r's back in part languages often well, yeah languages <laughs> but um um just you know no, drawls right things like that it's, yeah yeah the colloquialisms and the uh, and the, what's the other word? Yeah. For the, um, Shibboleth. yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but so, but you're right. I mean, that's why it's, it's not just about language support, but it's the, it's the regional dialect supports the nuances there. Um, so that it is important to have, you know, a, a large language library or the, accent. whatever it is. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. There you go. Yeah, the Sorry. Yep. Um, I'm slow, but, but I get there. But to uh, but yeah, so that has to be part of the the libraries that it's it's pulling from. You have to have that that data there. Yeah, 
It's uh, it's gonna at um, you know, there still are at many companies like everybody's impressed when somebody can take a spreadsheet that's been living around for like you know ten years and be like they know how to sort and filter the data on it. And people are in sales like, oh my God, you can get they, that kind of information. They it, can see the there. matrix. They can see right. the matrix. That's what yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> right. And this is going to be able to take, you know, that sales executive and be like looking at a spreadsheet, be like, how do I see how much I sold last year? And like, it can do it. You know, that would be, that's going to bridge a lot of gaps and hopefully, you know, be very beneficial to, you know, companies everywhere. Yeah. But, We'll see. <laughs> Starts out with light duty lifting. Um, yeah. And we'll see where it goes from there. Being able to, you know, group by, sort by, um, you know, draw, draw out medians, things like that. Yeah. That's the obvious and, take. And then me a graph, you know, like building yeah. a pivot chart, you know, um, without knowing how to build a pivot chart, you know, just right. this is how I want to see the data. And this is the data that I want in there. Can you make this happen? Well, yeah. that's kind of what it's doing with Power Platform now. It's just I was like, just going to say Power yeah. Platform. Because uh, you know, look, going in and building you know, my first solutions and building uh, uh, you know, a chat bot and those things, it's like the, the major components, I, mean, like, I understood the, those pieces. But when, where I struggled then is, is getting the syntax correct um, yep. and building that out. Now, if I'm able just to use natural language, like this is what I wanted to do, and it then goes and builds the complexity. Again, I was I, I had a conversation with somebody who was talking about going back to rational software. You know, the vision of one of the things, Rational Rose, one of the other products, and that's actually where my company started, was building applications for Rational Rose. And the the concept of Rose, just to simplify it for everybody, is that there was a notation uh, a, a, a all about UML. It was called UML, the Unified Modeling Language, so that it would allow you to take, you think about like, draw out a Visio diagram of what you want the software to do and what you'd use following this notation, this style, this method of, of right drawing it out that you enter in the your modeling uh, diagram and it would then produce code, workable code. Yeah, it was always rough and you had to go and add to it, but it could do that. And so this essentially is with workflow, with Power Platform, doing the same thing. Here's what I want to do, pointing to this data source. I want it to appear in this way. Here's how I want it to respond. And it would then understand the natural language and go and build all of that, each of the different components, um, the data sources it need to point to or create on behalf and go and do, as well as all the, the syntax. Pretty incredible. And oh, so there yeah. are people that are out there playing with this stuff using, again, not Copilot, which is based on you know, chat GPT and open AI technology, but just using chat GPT since they don't yet have access to Copilot and doing these things and finding success. Right. Copilot I, I had, making I had it chat, more accessible. I had chat GPT build me some uh, camel queries not too long ago. Really? <laughs> It How took they a work? couple tries, but it actually worked out pretty well. Huh. <laughs> on the yeah. on the ethics question, there was something in the news about somebody who uh, uh, who requested like you know ex go out and build a I don't know like a money making website or did something or other where it gave it access to money and had to build this plan and go and execute on the plan. And one of the things that it did 
the AI actually, and it wasn't chat GPT, it was another AI platform, but it actually went and it was smart enough to realize that it couldn't get past the check this box if you're to prove that you're human. It used funds in its account to hire someone via TaskRabbit to go and check the box. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's insane. So I don't know that that was like commercially accessible AI that it was leveraged for that to prove that point. Um, but the the fact that it was able to successfully and it came up with that workaround on its own and solved it. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> That's scary crazy. Yep. I mean, from a practical standpoint of all this stuff, uh, I mean, I look at it like as from a I'll look at with my techie gurus hat on from a, you know, a con content aggregator as part of the techie guru site. Um, do I care if somebody leveraged chat GPT to create their content? I don't. If it's good content, it still goes through editorial review. Increasingly, we'll use AI for as part of that uh, editorial review to look at whether it was for legal reasons that was the, truly the author of that content and it wasn't uh, plagiarized from other sources. Right. Um, but um, but ultimately, if it is, I'll say I'm using it in some ways, not to write content straight out, but what I'm doing, I'm actually using it to improve the SEO quality of the content. So I write the content and then That's I an go and I, concept. then I go and I have it edited, modified based on SEO performance. Huh. So it's still me as the author, but then I'm getting some SEO, like an injection. Um, that's a that's creative use. Chat GPT. Yeah. So saw a couple of videos and I'm just like, huh, I, yeah. I could do that. Think about little ways to juice. Huh. I'm excited by, it. I, you know, I, honestly, I, I, I get the ethical concerns about that. But I think we can walk and chew gum. I think we can move forward and still use it while also going and looking at the ethical aspects of that. Well, it's, yeah, it's like every other technology. If you go totally to the dark side, you can corrupt it and use it for absolute evil. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the reality is most people are probably going to try and use it in a way that will help them. This comes down to really your leanings on humanity yeah. are we you know inherently good people trying to do something or is everybody just cutthroat trying to get ahead is the glass half empty half full i prefer to think middle i i like to think of myself <laughs> in the middle and i phrase that as you know wicked awesome wicked so awesome my, wicked that's, awesome that's i have a t-shirt that says captain awesome they're a yeah. captain. Yeah. yeah. Salute, sir. Ahoy, matey. <laughs> yeah. Now I want Long John Silvers. <laughs> yeah. But well, yeah. okay then. All right. <laughs> it's a. I, I, I'm just thinking of Boston-based boy bands. So, uh, yeah. So <laughs> bring it back around to music. Yeah, of course. Wicked awesome. That was a. Uh, uh, what, what was that? The, the kids, uh, the, what's it? Kids? Sorry. I don't, I don't know. What is that? 
don't know. I, I was too old for that stuff. It's the 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 older Wahlberg brother and uh, oh, Marky Mark, New Kids on the Block. That's uh, what it is. That's New where Kids Wicked Rob- Awesome. It was the youngest one. What Joey? It was always Wicked Awesome. I can't it- do the Boston Jeff. You got to do it. It's Wicked Awesome Kid. Hockey car bahaba. Yeah. That's in Maine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> been listening to the collab talk podcast new episodes are published on most fridays and you can find us on spotify apple podcasts iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms thanks for listening